The greatness of God's incredible love is demonstrated and clearly seen, not in the best of places, but in our worst. Coming up, we'll look into the great cost of God's love for you, next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. We're taking a break in our current series to bring to you this week and next a special two-part message. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we read about the horrific, sinful condition of the entire human race, following Satan instead of God, and that we, in that condition, were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. It couldn't get any darker and more horrible than that. And then there's verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Such amazing love, meeting and overcoming such terrible sin, and as Hebrews 12.3 tells us, such hostility from sinners against himself. Now, this raises the all-important question, how great is this extent of such great love? We understand the value of something by the price that someone is willing to pay to purchase it. On Sunday, March 1st, 2020, I had the honor of preaching a message to my home congregation entitled, Such Costly Love. Now, this message plumbs the depths of the great extent of God's love by looking at what that love cost him to save us and to make us his own children and rightful heirs. I would like to share the first part of this message in today's episode and then the second part in next week's episode. And now, part one of Such Costly Love. How many of you know that I have, that I'm a Christian broadcaster? I think a lot of you. And a lot of you might be familiar, I did that for 28 years on radio. I have a podcast. Anybody know what a podcast is? It's, they're becoming very popular. I've been doing it for about 10 years. It's called the Daily in Christ podcast. Daily in Christ. <clears throat> and the website is easy, dailyinchrist.org. And the reason why I bring that up God's called me, for whatever reason, to share the word through mass media. I don't know why, but I stopped questioning that a long time ago. When we think of the love of God, and the message today is such costly love. Let's pray. Father, there's a sense in me where words seem to fall far short of what we need to see. And Father, that's when I rest in the confidence of Your Word and the power of Your Word. Lord, I thank You that Your Word will not come back void. It will accomplish that for which it was sent. I thank You, Lord, for the power of the Gospel. 
It is the power of God unto the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the Gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, Lord, we are coming upon holy ground. Everything about you is holy. And Lord, help us to lay aside our own human notions of love. Because love, 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 this culture talks and sings all about it, but most of the time it seems like they get it wrong. And Father, there is the dimension we're going to look at today, which is the cost of your love for us. Lord, may we see you and see your heart in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a lot of Christians talk about love and sing about love, but do we really know what love from God is all about? Do we understand the depths of His love? Do we understand the greatness and radical nature of His love? Do we understand how costly is His love? And today, my prayer is that you and I, I need this, will get a much clearer view of His great love. And we're going to do that by looking at the dimensions today of the sacrifice of His love. We all know that He sacrificed, that He gave all. But the Word unfolds that idea in a powerful way. We want to look at the sacrifice of the Savior Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shed His blood and gave His life for us. About six weeks ago, when the Lord laid this message on my heart for you, originally it was called the blood. And uh, it was a study of what the blood means. Many Christians have some odd and notions about the blood they really don't understand you know in the old testament they had all these sacrifices a lot how many of you have seen an animal being slaughtered i have i watched a i watched a a beef cow being slaughtered one time i was shocked at how much blood there was and in the old testament sacrifices there were thousands there were slaughtered Imagine all the blood. What is the reason for this? Why so much blood? Well, one reason we're told in Hebrews is that it wasn't enough. Because what was needed was not the blood of animals. What was needed was the blood of a Savior, of a Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, of a Son, the Son of God. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. I want you just to hear this with your heart. For when we, you and me, were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We're going to talk about the great demonstration of His love because this passage talks about the love of God demonstrated. Many of us, I think every person in this room has heard someone say, I love you, and they really didn't mean it. And it broke your heart. But when God says, I love you, He means it forever. That's what demonstration is. It is what He does in love. The second thing is going to be the great cost of God's sacrificial love. But let's think about the demonstration of His love because it says that, and if we could go back to verse 6, the previous slide, uh, Sandy, that it was shown to the Christ dying for the ungodly. He didn't die for good people. He didn't die for people who had their act all together. He died for the ungodly. There's a fallacy in our thinking about, we tend to think that, that Christ died for poor sinners. But that's the stuff of religion. You see, that fallacy shows a problem in understanding about the real condition of the sinner. You could have a patient who's dealing with a headache all the time and his wife keeps bothering him. Will you go to the doctor? It's not like you to keep having headaches. Finally, he goes and he sees the doctor and the doctor says, look, just as a precaution, we're going to order some tests. And those tests show that he has a tumor. And now the doctor's talking about radical surgery. He's talking about chemo. He's talking about radiation. You see, what this guy thought could be solved with pills, you know, aspirin, was a much worse situation. The condition of the sinner is much worse. It's much more dire. Christ died for the ungodly. What does the Bible mean when it talks about the ungodly? It's a very precise word. It means no reference. It's what I call the ungod experience. It's living life without God. And it could be on one side of the spectrum, the fire-breathing atheist over here, a Richard Dawkins. And over here, it might be a lot of people that are just like, well, maybe God exists, maybe He doesn't. Or they say silly things like, oh my God. I hear that and I literally will offer worship. Whenever I hear the the name of our Lord being maligned, I raise my voice in worship for that person. I say, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. And I pray for them. And I lift up my voice in worship to you. That's ungodliness. 
It's not giving God the time of day, but the situation of the sinner is worse. It's rebellious. It's idolatrous. It's selfish. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, for the wrath of God, and we don't like to hear things like this, the wrath of God, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And then a little bit later, it talks about because they, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. You say, how can people know God? Because it's obvious. Look around you. Right now, the world is dealing with a small little thing, a virus called coronavirus. And they're getting all frightened by it. Your bodies have an incredible system to fight. That system is a system of design. And there's no designer. The heavens declare the glory of God. Night after night, they pour forth speech. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and birds and four-footed and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor the bodies among themselves. Now I want to stop because this is frightening. God gave them over. Do you know that you're alive today because God sustains you with life? But your natural condition is to die. We take away the life components from you, air, water, food, and you will die. God is the sustainer of life. This world would be swallowed up as awful as the things are in this world. It would be much worse if God did not intervene. And so there is the providential sustaining love of God that spares the sinner. And yet, here we see Him giving them over to a condition. The demonstration of the love of God is to sinners in this condition. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, These three verses are so clear and so vivid about the condition of man. And you He made alive, speaking of believers, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Do you know the sinner's problem isn't that they're drowning, they're dead. They're dead in a condition of sins and trespasses in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the others. I can't think of anything worse than that. It's bad. 
The condition of the sinner isn't a poor, helpless sinner. They are a part of a fallen race that is rebellious against God. That seeks one's own pleasure over God. And it says they're dead. That's why they have no strength. It says in verse 2, walking according to the course of this world. The older I get, the more I see this life and the way it runs. It's like cars going around and around a race course or maybe horses going round and around and around and around. And the older I get, I go, gee, I've seen this thing around before. And there's a younger generation that sort of falls for it. The course of this world. But the course of the world, and we're not talking about the sun and the trees and the land. We're talking about the world system. This system is driven by Satan. It says that he is the prince of the power of the air. He has authority. That authority fell to him when Adam fell. The prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. These are dark words, but they're true words. When I share the Gospel with someone, I am not trying necessarily to change their mind about something. Because changing their mind is not enough. Jesus came to a very moral, religious man, a Pharisee, John 3 tells us this, and he said, you must be born again. The condition of the sinner is so severe that the only answer is death and new life. And that is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ. You see when it said, when we were back in Romans chapter 5, without strength, it means that they are so consumed with sin, self, and Satan, they're inextricably bound to the devil. The whole condition of sinful man is so bad, so severe, so deplorable, that by their very nature, they are children of wrath. So what's the result of this? In Hebrews chapter, or rather Romans chapter 3, it says there is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands. None seek after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. It sounds like today's newspaper. But that's the universal fallen condition of man. Whether it would be the Sunday school teacher or the serial murderer in prison. The condition is universal. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were still that sinners, Christ died for us. So what is the significance of the sacrifice 
of His love. Well, one way that we understand that is by looking at the matter of the blood of Christ and His death that it, was, that it accomplished. A couple of, again, weird things we tend to think about when it comes to the blood. People tend to think of the blood like a cleansing agent. You know, it'll get out the worst stain. Let me ask you, what is the significance of your blood? What happens if you don't have your blood? You're dead. It says in Scripture, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, and in many places in the Bible, the life is in the blood. Another thing they say, there was a popular Christian song a few years ago called One Drop of Blood. And I remember uh, a dear friend of mine who's very uh, mutual friend of uh, Chad and I, Gary Sutley, tore that to pieces. He said, no. One drop of blood is not enough. You can't die by bleeding one drop of blood. You see, what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ was He died of bleeding out, literally. He bled to death. His life flowed out of Him. So when we talk about the blood, we're talking about His life that is poured out for you. We're talking about death. That's the core essential idea. And this is sacrificial blood. This is Him doing this for me. Doing this for you. This is the demonstration of the love of God. This is the cost of this love. God didn't love you at your best. He loved you at your worst. And we know about this. We know about the invasion of sin in our own lives. We understand about the idolatry that would turn from God to something else. And yet, this is sacrificial love. You know, Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, is portrayed as a high priest of the new covenant. You remember under the old covenant, there were many priests and they offered all those animals and all that blood. Jesus is... And and you understand the priest would give an offering. An offering of blood. But do you notice the blood with someone else. It wasn't his own blood. And every time they would do that, they would proclaim a very important fact. Here it is. That it would take someone else, not you, dying. And when the high priest came, the Lord Jesus Christ, He came not only as a high priest making an offering, but He came as a lamb. A sacrificial lamb. He came offering His own body and His own blood. Under the Old Covenant, it was never enough. When you have an imperfect sacrifice, 
It brings imperfect results. But when you have a perfect sacrifice, it brings perfect results. That's the difference the Lord Jesus Christ did. That's the sacrifice that He has as the Lamb of God. We were singing the one song, I, it was new to me, forget which one, I get the third one, well, Worthy the Lamb. What's that? This is love. Yeah, and I thought about the book of Revelation. When you see them bowing down before the Lamb who was slain. Do you know that the book of life is called the Lamb's book of life? And do you know that it's called the Lamb's book of life? Because a Lamb sacrificed Himself for you, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, here is what Jesus' blood His sacrifice poured out for you, accomplished for you. This is the demonstration of God putting His love in action. And I'm I'm not probably not going to be able to get through all of this. I mentioned my podcast. I'm finishing up a series called Blessed Beyond Imagination. And And I had several different avenues. And it was like the Lord is saying, I want you to take this and I want you to extend it into a series. If I had the luxury, I would preach a sermon on each of these aspects every Sunday. I can't. But the first stop of why Jesus had to shed His blood is found in Romans chapter 3, where it says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. This is getting into a realm that's uncomfortable for us. And it involves the wrath of God. You see, God is not someone who has a temper tantrum. Has anybody experienced injustice in your life where someone did you wrong? I mean criminal wrong. My brother was knifed on a subway platform in in Boston. Whenever you've had even something stolen, the first thought is, why me? It's this sense of transgression. And it's this desire that this person wouldn't do that to someone else. I've been a victim of identity theft. I have been a, a, a... a situation of a shooting. Fortunately, I wasn't shot, but it was traumatizing. I can tell you that when wrong is committed, when, when wrong is perpetrated against another, it has to be made right. There is a cry for justice. And we comfortable Americans don't know what it's like to suffer in injustice that happens all over this globe. There are people who are dealing with horrible circumstances and the heart of their their heart cry is justice. God is good. And a good God would never tolerate injustice. He would never intolerate what has happened in this world as the result of sin. And the Bible says in Job 21.30, For the wicked are reserved for the day of doom. They shall be brought They shall be brought out on the day of wrath. The Bible clearly teaches about a day of wrath. The Bible clearly teaches about a day of judgment. Why wrath? 
Well, we just read about it in Romans chapter 1. It says the wrath of God is revealed against the unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Do you know that God would be totally fair if he executed justice and then left? Because if you want fair from God, you really don't want fair from God. I don't want fair from God. Because fair is justice for what I've done against him. But God, in the totality of His goodness, is loving. And love sees a situation and does everything it can to make that situation right. And it says here in Romans chapter 3 that God's justice, His wrath, is satisfied, is propitiated by Christ's blood. You have been listening to the first part of the message that I preached on March 1st, 2020, titled, Such Costly Love. Next week, we'll share the second half of this powerful message. I want to encourage you to take some time in the week ahead to prayerfully reflect on the incredible truths that we have shared today. Let the truth of God's Word and the depths of His love soak in. Allow God to speak to you and minister to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your infinite heart of love. And Father, we see through the Word, we see even through the experience of our own lives, that the extent of that love is not in loving friends, but loving enemies. Loving us and dying for us, not when we loved or even cared about you. Father, I pray that you will take this word that has been shared from the Bible today by the Holy Spirit and continue to bring enlightenment and understanding about you and your costly, amazing love. I thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. The Daily in Christ website is where you can find all of our podcasts. And we're celebrating. The Daily in Christ podcast turns 10 years old on July the 10th. I want to encourage you to stop by the website because not only will you find all of our podcasts, you will also find many helpful articles that I've written through the years to be able to encourage the body of Christ worldwide. And that's my heart. My heart is to bring this message of God's love and the power of the new covenant and the gospel of grace to the nations. Thank you for praying for us. And don't forget also that the Daily in Christ podcast is available on many podcasting platforms. So select your favorite uh, podcasting platform, look it up, uh, or encourage others to do the same so that you can enjoy this as the podcasts come out week by week. I'm Mark Van Oos, reminding you once again of what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. <laughs>